Pastor JP just mentioned, my name is Todd, Todd Lucas. This is my beautiful wife, Chandra, our little one, Ethan. And um, we're with the ministry called um, Chicago Chi Alpha. And I'll explain a little bit about what that is. Chi Alpha is a missions outreach to um, the non-Christian um, colleges and universities here in the, um, the city of Chicago. And so um, our call is to reach the unreached. It's the, one of the most unreached uh, people groups in all of the United States of America when you talk about young adults. That's why it's so beautiful to look around at this room and see the demographic that Oasis Church is reaching and ministering to. Um, on our college campuses, you don't need me to tell you this, but um, it's a place where there's a lot of um, darkness, a lot of immorality, all those things, but it's such a place of great opportunity. Tomorrow's leaders are on today's college campuses. Not just leaders here in the United States, but leaders all across the world. At any given time, we have about a million international students studying here um, on our campuses here in the States. And it's such a great opportunity because many of them come from nations where it's actually illegal to preach the gospel. And so we've seen people get saved from all different kinds of nations and go back to their nations essentially as missionaries. And so I don't want to take up too much time because we have a word to get into. But Chi Alpha just stands for Christ first, X-A, Christ first. And here in Chicago, we have about 500,000 college students, 50-plus universities. And I'm not talking Wheaton or Moody or Trinity. I'm talking the non-Christian, quote-unquote, universities here in Chicago, just 50-plus in the Chicago area. Can somebody say Harvest. It's a great harvest, and we're only on five. We're only on five. By the way, my wife and I, we're not doing it by ourselves, okay? We have a team, a staff, who work diligently across the campuses of Northwestern, Loyola, Columbia College, UIC, and St. Xavier, and we have students from other colleges that attend our large group meeting that we have every Friday at UIC. We all come together for a large group every Friday, and we're kicking it off this coming Friday for the school year to come. And so... Um, what else? What do we do? Maybe share a couple of things of what we do on a weekly basis. Um, sure. What we do is we meet students at the point of um, really their most felt need, which is community, once they step on campus. Those of you who's gone to college with the college campus experience, okay. So when you get to college, you want to find your people. And so we step in and we try um, to be fill that need for students. And so we do all sorts of things. We have obviously like Bible studies on campus. We have over 20 prayer meetings. We have over 20 prayer meetings throughout the city each week um, on the five, five different campuses. Um, we do different outreaches like coffee shop style talent exposés. We do retreats. We do uh, Christmas parties. We just get anything we can to bring students together, um, foster community, introduce them to Jesus, get them saved, get them baptized, and following the Lord. So that's what we do. Uh, this was an awesome past year for us. We're gearing up right now. This is the week of sort of all the kickoffs on campus. So we're about to start another school year. So pray for us. Um, we're about to really get in the thick of it and and um, really just believing God for a lot of fruit, a lot of lives change. So um, we appreciate your prayers and just your support. And we're just so thankful to be doing what we're doing right in the middle of the city. So. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You guys can, you can be seated. <laughs> our mission, our mission is to build a citywide community of authentic student disciple makers. We take it extremely seriously 
when it comes to students becoming disciple makers. In other words, not just meeting Christ, but helping others growing in your faith and helping others grow in their faith as well. And like she mentioned, 20 plus prayer meetings, because just like Oasis Church, we highly value prayer. We believe that the spirit of God has to undergird every single thing that we do. We can have the right systems, the right servants, the right structures, um, but without the spirit of God in prayer, all of that will only do so much. When it comes to eternal change, it only comes by the power of God. Amen? Amen. I have a message I want to share here briefly, but I just really want to be sensitive and obedient, <clears throat> Pastor JP, uh, to the Holy Spirit. And um, I just really feel God's pleasure over Oasis Church. Um, and I was praying um, this morning and praying here in the service. And I feel like God wants to um, bring a word of encouragement before we get into the message, um, specifically to Pastor JP, Rachel, the team, the leadership um, and really Oasis Church um, as a whole. And so if it's okay, I just want to share. I have a passage that really came to my heart that really <clears throat> struck me as a word of encouragement for you all today. It is Psalm 102, and it's like it's 10 verses, but I'll, I'll read them, verses 12 through 22. Verses 12 through 22. And, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, um, I'll just go ahead and read it for the sake of time. You don't have to worry about turning to it. You can just catalog it, put it down. Um, but I just want to step out in faith and just share. It says, verse 12, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come for her stones are dear to your servants, her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory, for the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven, he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise to Jeru in Jerusalem. Last verse, verse 22. When the peoples in the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. I feel that God wants to encourage Oasis in a number of things, and there's too much to unpack, but I'll just leave it for you guys to unpack later. But I'll just share a few thoughts that came from this passage. Number one, it says in verse 13, it is time to show favor to her. I really feel like God is pouring out his favor on Oasis as a ministry, as a family, as an outreach. There is a favor where God is going to resource you all in every way. The favor of God is not fair. It's something that God bestows upon his people that he loves. And I feel like God wants to reiterate, and I believe you guys already know this, but God wants to reiterate his favor. And it says, the appointed time has come. This is a season, a kairos moment, an opportune time for God to do something great in the city of Chicago. And Oasis Church is going to be a big part of that. I really believe that. In verse, verse 16, it says that the Lord will rebuild Zion. He will respond to prayer. And it says for future generations, there's going to be a work that God is. In fact, there is a work that God is doing. He wants to encourage you. The work that you that he is doing here at Oasis 
Um, he's hearing your prayers. He's hearing your pleas. And he's going to rebuild. He's going to bring restoration. And it's something that's going to be transgenerational. And what I mean by that is it's something that's going to touch Jordan. And God's going to use Jordan to touch others in the future generations to come. And it's not going to be just linear. It's not just one level. It's something that's going to be layered with the power and the anointing of God. And I want to just speak this, that in Chicago... We know sometimes that there's a shooting on a certain part in a certain part of the city. If someone is shot and something or anything happens to someone that's traumatic, it can be a car accident or whatever. There are certain hospitals that they can't take that person to because they don't deal with trauma. Sometimes they'll pass three or four hospitals to get them to one that has a trauma um, um, unit in it. And I believe that in the, in the spiritual realm, there are people who are hurting. There are needs that need to be met. And God sees Oasis as a place that is an oasis to bring people to because there are needs that God is going to meet through this church. The Bible says that God looks to see who he can show himself strong on behalf of. God is searching throughout. And I believe God is saying that he's again, it says he looks down from heaven. Pastor JP and Rachel, God sees Oasis. And God is sending the hurting here. And there's going to be restoration, emotional healing, um, physical healings, um, things that psychological abuse. You can't get rid of thoughts that have been plaguing you. God is going to bring a healing. This is a healing center. I really believe that. And so I just wanted to step out and just share that I feel God's pleasure over this ministry. And the Lord wants you guys to just keep pressing forward because Chicago it's dark, but there is a lighthouse that he has established. And in the tower of that lighthouse, there are many smaller lights that comprise the body of Christ. And Oasis is one of those lights that God has put there. So just want to just speak that over you all. Can I pray for you all right now? Is that okay? Lord, I just pray and I just speak, God, that, Lord, Zion is where your spirit dwells, God. And, Lord, this is Zion. The temple of the Holy Spirit, we are Zions in that sense. It's where your spirit dwells, God. And so, Lord, I just speak, God, just restoration. I speak anointing, God. I just, and I just speak, I affirm it, God, because it is here, Lord. It is here. I just pray, God, for new levels, more doors opening, God. Just you using this ministry, God, to impact generations to come. Now, Lord, bless the sharing of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just want to um, just step out and share that. And I just want to jump right into the message. The message that we have this morning is called the doorkeeper, the doorkeeper. And I hope that this is going to make more sense as far as the title of it as we walk through the passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 9, it says, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work is open to me, and there are many who oppose me. I love this passage. This passage is really kind of a life verse for Chicago Chi Alpha as a ministry. When you talk about an open door, I believe God has put on my heart and our heart as a ministry going back several years that God has given us a great opportunity to touch the next generation on college campuses. But there is an open door that God has opened to all of us. And I believe this word is not just for um, Oasis as a ministry or even Chicago Chi Alpha as a ministry or even myself as a minister, but it's for each of us individually. 
And this passage is really about God being sovereign. In other words, that God is in control. God is in control of your present state, your marital status or whatever that might be, your socioeconomic status, your education setup, your family situation, where you live, where you work. God is in control. He's not just in control of our present. He's also in control of our futures. I don't know about you guys, but that should encourage you because I don't know about you, but how many of you guys here, let me ask a question. How many of you here get a little anxious when you think about the future? Just lift your hand and wait. Okay, cool. We got about 15 honest people here. Praise the Lord. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. But some of us, how many of you, you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you like legitimately freak out when you think about the future? Depending on your situation, I want to encourage you like somebody said to me a long time ago. We don't need to fear what the future holds because we know the one who holds the future. God is sovereign and God is in control over our past, over our present, and over our future. I want to isolate a few verses. If you look at the screen, verses 5 through 7, it says, After I go through Macedonia, I'm going to come to you, for I will go through Macedonia. I want to just walk you through quickly Paul's, the Apostle Paul who's writing this, um, to the church at Corinth, kind of his, his, his train of thought. And I find it very captivating personally. He says, I'm going to come to you after I come through Macedonia, for I will be going through Macedonia. It sounds kind of redundant, right? But what he's getting at is, it's a convenient stop along the way, so I'm going to just drop in on you. How many of you like it when a friend like drops in that you haven't seen in a while? Come on, we love that, right? When they show up, you haven't seen them in a while. Man, you're in Colorado, but you're stopping through Chicago. Come on, give me a holler. Let's go do coffee or something, right? It's a convenient stop. But then he goes on, and you can feel the longing of Paul to connect with the people at Corinth. Perhaps I'm going to stay with you for a while. Come on, it's getting, it's getting even more serious now. He's saying, I'm not just going to stop by, but I'm going to stay with you for a while. Now, that's when you may need to move a few things around in your schedule. When that friend shows up and says, I'm going to drop in, but I might hang out for a while. Okay, make yourself at home. I got to, let me, let me move a few things around. But he goes even further. He says, or even spend the winter. Come on, it's getting serious now. I mean, I love you, but I don't know if I love you that much. You're going to stay for an entire season. I got to talk to the wifey now. I mean, really, we got to talk about this. But you see Paul's longing to connect with the people at Corinth so that you can help me on my journey. I want us to get something here. Paul understood that as we're moving along in this journey, he's saying, I'm going to stop in for a while. I'm going to drop by so that you can help me along in my journey. I, want to, I believe that one thing that God wants to speak to us off the bat is that every moment matters. Every stop along the way is meant to help you along your journey. Your time here at Oasis Church is meant to help you along in your journey. Every single moment matters. Paul understood that relationships are sacred, and we need to value them, and we need to value opportunities to serve and seek after God and bring people to the cross because every single moment matters. He says, wherever I go. And we see the heart of Paul surrendering. He says, wherever that might lead me, wherever God is going to take me, God is in. Can somebody say God is sovereign? God is in control. Verse 7, for I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. Sometimes we get those phone calls where we're busy and we can't answer. We could answer, but we know if we answer, that's an hour 
at the, at the least that we're going to be on that phone. And we don't have it to give. We don't want to make a passing visit. I do that sometimes, and I might conveniently send it to voicemail. Why? Because I want that person on the other line. If I pick it up, I want them to have all of me. I don't want to make a passing visit. And sometimes I think if we aren't present, if we aren't focused on the right now, we can sometimes make a passing visit by thinking about our future and getting caught up in the future and missing out on what God wants to do right now. And God is saying, don't even pick that phone up. When the time is right, you're going to be where you need to be. But right now, you need to focus on what I am doing in your life presently. Paul says, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. If the Lord permits. Those four words, I think, really captures what we need to have, which was Paul's heart and his perspective on the future. God, you are in control. I will get there. Corinth, that's who he's writing to. The church of Corinth represents the future. He was in the town of Ephesus at this time. And he's saying, that's my present is Ephesus. My future is Corinth. And I will get to Corinth slash my future if the Lord permits. And some of us here this morning, maybe you're thinking about, I can't wait until I get out of college. I can't wait until I get that promotion at work. I can't wait until I get married. I can't wait until X, Y, and Z happens. And we're cheating on our present with their future. And we're missing out on what God wants to do right now. We need to have that heart that Paul had when it comes to the future. My first encouragement to you, in fact, before I get into that, I want to share a, a, a quote from C.S. Lewis. Any C.S. Lewis fans here? Um, here's a quote that C.S. Lewis has. If we have that, I want to put this up. He says, the present is the point at which time touches eternity from his book, Screwtape Letters. And what he goes through in that, in that chapter He's saying that Satan wants to do one of two things. Satan, the adversary of man, the enemy of God, he wants to do one of two things in our lives. Get this. He wants us to be preoccupied with the past and have feelings of what? Regret, shame, guilt, condemnation. Man, would have, could have, should have. Man, if I hadn't done this, if I didn't allow that to happen to me, if I didn't make that wrong left turn and this or that, and we're looking in the past, and we have that guilt and that shame. Satan is, he's content if that's the case. Or he wants you to be preoccupied with the future, which is going to fill us with dread. Oh man, what if this happens? And what if that does not happen? I don't know if I'll have the money to take care of X, Y, and Z. And he wants to do whatever he can do to keep you from being focused on the right now. I believe God's word to us is to be perfectly present. That's what Paul was. He was perfectly present. Paul wasn't preoccupied with the past. He says Jesus got, has that covered in his blood. He wasn't worried about the future because God is sovereign and God loves me and God works all things together for my good so I can, I can surrender to the, future to the future to him. But I'm accountable for right now because as C.S. Lewis said, he says that the present is the point at which time touches eternity. God wants us to be preoccupied with two things, right now, the present, and eternity. My right now, my today, my, what is it, August 27, 2017, in light of eternity. That's what God wants to hold us accountable to. That's what God wants us to focus upon. Verse 8, 
but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Your community, this is my first thought, your community is your Ephesus. Be present. Be present. That's your Ephesus. Where God has placed you is where God has planted you. God has called you to be where you are right now, and God has a purpose for you right now. And some of us need to surrender the future to God right now and say, God, I'm going to be present. I am going to be present. I want you to use me right now. Again, I work with college students. This is a classic struggle for college students. It's amazing when you're in the 12th grade, I can't wait to get out of my parents' crib so I can go to college. And you get, and the moment you practically step into that dorm room, you're like, man, how many credit hours before I'm done with this thing? Come on, any, any seniors in the house? Come on, senioritis kicks in. Oh, I'm just limping to that finish line. Help me, Jesus. God wants you to know that, no, right, you will get there. Let me encourage you. You're going to graduate. You're going to make it in Jesus' name. You're going to get there, but right now, God wants to use you where you're at right now. And this is a classic struggle. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I was a freshman in college. I studied down at Southern Illinois University. I gave my heart to Jesus at the end of my freshman year, and it became obvious to me right away because I became born again. I got radically saved by the grace of God. It was obvious to me that college wasn't about sleeping around. It wasn't about immorality. It wasn't about alcohol. It wasn't about drugs and partying. It was about not just getting an education, but serving Jesus. And then later, God revealed to me, it's not even just about serving me, or should I say, just knowing me. It's about being used while you are here on this campus. I, God gave me a revelation my junior year, like my campus was my mission field. And that has shaped what my wife and I do till this very day, reaching out to college students. If we grasp the weight of being present, you are going to see change. You're going to see life change. You're going to see fruit in your lives. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. God is going to use you, and doors are going to open. Doors are going to open. Verse 9, because a great door for effective work. I'm sorry, yeah, for an effective work has opened to me. I love this passage right here. If we can just get this. Paul is giving us a visual of a door. It's, 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 it's a metaphor. He's not talking about a physical door that has opened to him. But if you think of even physical doors, if I'm going from one room to the next room, I'm walking out or I'm walking through a door. In other words, every door serves a purpose. When, you got, when I leave the kitchen and I walk through the door into the dining area and I leave the dining area and walk into the living room of our place, then I'm going from one place to the next for a purpose. For a purpose. And so when God is opening door, God is saying there's a specific purpose that I'm taking you through this door for. This particular door that Paul is referring to is the town of Ephesus. Now, here's some thoughts about Ephesus. Different um, scholars have studied this, this passage in this, in this town. And they, they are, these are like the three questions that they asked. Number one, when Paul talked about an open door, was he saying that because Ephesus was populous? It was. It was very similar to our context as Chicagoans. Come on. Any, any Chicagoans in the house? Any native Chicagoans? All right, sweet. Much love, much love. But we're all Chicagoans because we're here right now. Okay. My wife and I, we live on the north side up in the Lakeview area. And it's very populous. But that is not the open door that Paul was talking about. Because there's a lot of places that are populous where there's not necessarily an open door for the Spirit of God to move. And then 
Is it influential people? Is that the open door? No, not necessarily. They had influential people in the town of Ephesus, but that was not the open door that Paul was referring to. What Paul was referring to was open hearts. That hearts were open. And I'm convinced that's what he was talking about. Hearts were open to the gospel. And here are some cross-reference scriptures to back this thought up, that the open door is really referring to open hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. I'll just, show, I'll just um, read this. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. He's talking about the gospel being preached and he's saying that that's the open door that he is talking about. Let's go on to the next verse. A couple of quick verses. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. And pray for us too that God may do what? Open the door. For what? Our message. So that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. We can have somebody come up and play on the keys. We're about to close. But I want us to get this. We can't miss. The first thing he says is pray for us that God may open the door. I love that he does not divorce the preaching of the gospel from the prayers of the saints. And he says that it's a mystery. It really is. That's why we, sometimes you can sit through a sermon and five people can be really moved and say, that sermon changed my life. Or they can hear the gospel. They can hear about the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, and their lives are changed. But then you have 20 others who will sit through that same message and say, man, that was okay. Because it's a mystery. It's something the Spirit of God has to do. That's why I gave my heart to Jesus as a freshman, but that was not the first time I heard the gospel. There were many other times before that, but God had opened a door in my heart in that moment. God wants you to know that God is opening doors for people to hear the gospel in your different contexts, in your Ephesus, in your workplace, in the gym that you are working out in. God is opening up a door. And we talked about, he's not saying any door. He said a wide open door. And let me just say this really quickly. There's a threshold whenever you walk out of one room into the next. And there's a door that separates those rooms. That threshold, in other words, there's an inside and there's an outside to every door. And in studying this, what they were saying that Paul was talking about when he said a wide open door. Track with me. What Paul was talking about, whenever we're preaching the gospel, like any message, if you any communication majors, right, there's a sender and there's a receiver. When you're preaching the gospel, we're the senders. We're sharing the message. But then there's another side of that door where somebody has to receive. And there's oftentimes a grace to share the gospel. I've been there before where you sharing the gospel and there's a grace for you to share it. But not all the time is there a grace for the next person to receive it, if you get what I'm saying. Sometimes I'm on campus sharing the gospel, sharing what I know is the light and the life of Jesus Christ. And I'm feeling the anointing of God. But they're like, hmm, when is this going to be over with? And maybe you guys are feeling like that right now. I don't know. Praise the Lord. <laughs> two minutes. Come on, somebody. Two minutes. We'll be done. But anyway, the words will be dropping to the ground. But I, again, you have to preach in season, out of season. Amen? Because you're just sowing seeds. But Paul was saying a wide open door of meaning. There was a grace for him to share, and there was a grace for them to receive. And that's the kind of door that God is opening. Hearts are going to be open. God is going to use you because the gospel of Christ brings life change when we step out and share it. Next verse. Do we have another verse? Um, Acts. Do we have the verse Acts 14, 27? On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. The gospel reaches everybody. 
my friend, where you at? Uh, George, my friend George right here. He's studying at Moody. He's helping us out. He's um, serving with us as a volunteer with Chi Alpha this year, but he's from Romania. And he was sharing his story with me some time back. I'm like, your story is basically my story. It's different, but he heard the gospel, got saved, and now he's a man of God going into the ministry. But I'm here in Chicago, Northsider, the same thing, because the gospel is universal. It's universal. Revelation 3, verse 8. Jesus says, I know your deeds. I have placed before you an open door. Who has placed before us an open door? Who? Jesus. And here's my, here's my thought before we close. The door has been opened to you, not by you. Be bold. God, he opens the door. He's not going to force you through it because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. We have to be bold. I'll share a quick story, and then I'm going to pray and invite Pastor JP up. A young lady named Jessica, her name is now Jessica Elliott. She got, she got um, married about a month and a half ago, had the honor of, of preaching at her, her wedding. And um, she went to Loyola University, was an agnostic, got saved through our ministry. My wife discipled her. A couple of summers ago, she was in downtown Chicago. Her name was Jessica Layton. She's now Jessica Elliott. She was in downtown Chicago walking around. She said, God, I want you to lead me to somebody that I can preach the gospel to. In the heart of the summer, thousands of people, she was present. And she said, God, I want you to open a door. God led it to a young lady who was standing outside who had happened to have a hijab wrapped around her head. And Jessica walked up to her and said, hi. The young lady said, hi. It was a really awkward moment, in fact. And then the first question the young lady asked was, are you a Christian? Jessica said, yes. Are you a Muslim? She said, yes. They exchanged information, quickly became friends, began to meet up. Jessica's heart was to lead her to Jesus. This young lady's heart was to lead her to Islam. It was like an evangelistic standoff. Like, like face off, right? We know who won. Come on, somebody. This young lady, over the course of the next several months throughout the summer, began to attend prayer meetings that our ministry and people from our ministry was hosting. She was coming to Bible studies, hearing, and she heard one man of God preach about that story where Jesus spoke to the storm. He said, peace, be still. When she heard peace, she said she got goosebumps all over her body. She experienced something she had never experienced before, the peace of God, although she came from the religion of peace. Ramadan came. She was at studying for an advanced medical degree. Ramadan came. She shows she, um, would, she couldn't eat until sundown. She would go and do her studies in downtown Chicago, get back to her home in Lakeview. She'd be so tired. Her and Jessica lost contact for that month. They didn't meet up, but they would text here and there. During Ramadan, she says, I am going to pray to Jesus instead of Allah because he's closer. He's more warm. He's more intimate. And she began to pray. And then August 4th, she sent a text to Jessica. Hi, can I call you sister? Jessica said, and they had this kind of relationship where Jessica was like, well, you know, I love you, but... Um, I only call those who are members of the body of Christ, sisters and brothers. And she says, I know that I gave my heart to Jesus last night. You can call me sister. I want to show you a picture. Do we have a picture? This is Jessica praying with the, she took the hijab off. This is at one of our worship meetings. Next, next slide, if we have another picture. This is her getting baptized. She's now a follower of Christ. She's married to a man of God. And she's attending a healthy church up here in the city of Chicago. I'm talking an open door. But she had to be bold. And sometimes we have a, a quote that I don't want, to, um, I don't want to, to botch it. But there is a quote that I have up. Sometimes our eyes are wide shut to doors that are wide open. 
Jessica saw this because she was present. She said, right now, downtown Chicago is my Ephesus. God, you want to use me right now. And you know why else we miss out on those open doors? Because of that last little phrase where he says, there are many who oppose me. And I'll just share this with you before we close. Next, next slide. Opportunity always comes with opposition. Be strong. Be strong. Let me pray for you. Bow your heads, please. Lord, I pray right now for your people. I pray, God, that you will help them, Lord. Number one, to be present. To be present. God wants you to surrender the past. Some people are getting set free from guilt and shame right now. God wants you to surrender the future. God is setting some people from fear, setting people free from fear. Be present. Be bold. God, open doors. Help us to walk through them and be strong. Be strong. If you're dealing with opposition, God wants to encourage you that he is for you, not against you. God is fighting the battle for you. God is sovereign and God is good. Hallelujah.